everybody. This is Heba and Katerina from Los Angeles, and you're listening to the Lost and Found podcast, the podcast that inspires, educates, and motivates people like you. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Lost and Found. Thank you for being so patient with us. We have missed you and we are so excited to have you here with us today. We have Sydney Coons actually here with us live and we're really excited to have her here. She opened up her own practice called Made for This Counseling and we're just going to have a very open and candid conversation and I'll turn it over to you, Kat, to give us a little bit more insight on Sydney and our conversation today. I'm so excited to be here with Sydney today. It's truly an honor to have her on, and we're so grateful that you were able to get on with us, Sydney. Um, I know Sydney from a really close friend of mine, and we were introduced back in college after a study abroad brought us all together. And so I'm really excited to have you on when you're in this new stage of your life where you've opened up your own practice, you're a licensed psychotherapist, and you're just in this new phase of your life where you're making an impact and really, you know, doing what you set out to do. Having having your own practice, it's truly, really admirable. So as Hubba said, Sydney is a licensed psychotherapist with her own practice made for this counseling in Wisconsin. And her focus is gaining insight and making meaning. And so before we dive in, we're going to let Heba ask Sydney a couple of questions about her practice and what her methodology and style is and kind of how she fell into this career. Exactly. Well, again, thank you for being here with us today, Sydney. I think what we'd love to learn more about and what we're curious about is your methodology and your style and what drives you and what your purpose is and kind of how you fell into what you're doing today. Hi, I'm so excited to be on. Those are all great questions. I guess I can kind of start with why I chose made for this as my name for my practice. Um, I really took the time to kind of solidify a name that felt meaningful and different um, from other practice names I was coming across. Basically, my friend actually had mentioned this to me as I was wanting to start my own practice. I was reaching out to her asking, you know, what what would be a good name? And she had mentioned made for this and I just loved it. Um, I really feel like it says, you know, you have the strength, resilience and capability of getting through this and growing and making changes. And whether you believe that now or not, like I will do my darn best to get you in a place where you feel that. And so that is kind of how I chose Made for This as my name um, and something I wanted to like resonate with people seeking therapy. So I guess I can talk a little bit about how I fell into this career. So I originally didn't know that I wanted to go into counseling, even psychology. I 
had a lot of experience with mental health, um, whether it was like my own mental health struggles, friends, family, people around me. But it wasn't until like my AP psych class that I took in high school that I was like, wow, like this is actually something I'm interested in and it actually doesn't feel like school. And so I just loved that class. I felt like our teacher was fantastic. But when I got to college, I kind of just put that in the back burner and thought, you know, I was playing volleyball and I was kind of, I was into athletics and I thought, okay, maybe exercise science. And then I learned very quickly after I took that intro class that this was just not something I was completely passionate about. And so it took me two years into college to really be like, okay, I love psychology. I took you know, it as my elective in college, I was wanting to take more classes. And I thought, you know, I might as well major in it. My one hesitation with majoring in it was that I really didn't know what you could do with the major and what kind of jobs that were out there for that. And it wasn't until actually my first experience in counseling where I was like, okay, this is something I could really see myself doing. You know, I always thought I wanted to be in the helping profession in some way. I just really didn't know what that looked like for me. But my first counseling session in college was huge for me. Um, and it was a support I needed. You know, I was living 14 hours away from my hometown. It was a difficult transition. Um, and I had a lot of things going on in my personal life. And that support was major for me in my life. And so after talking with professors and stuff like that, I decided, okay, I, I think I'm going to go in this direction. I love how you kind of, even though you fell into the therapy and into counseling, you have always known that this was something that you were passionate about. And it's something that drove you towards helping people and supporting others. And you clearly have that passion from a pretty early start. Yeah, I think at the time, I just thought, oh, this is a fun class. But it had been such a major part of my life. And, you know, I guess, being able to turn it into a career is like, so cool. It's like, you know, I, I love what I do. And a lot of people aren't able, I guess, to put their passions into their career. And so I'm just really fortunate that I made that realization and I, I stuck with it. I think that's really amazing. Um, I love how you mentioned that through the support that you received when you had that initial counseling session, that that really pushed you to like, reciprocate that like you found the meaning and what counseling did to you and so you decided that you wanted to make that like your purpose and reciprocate that out into the world and it's really nice to see that like what drove you into this profession is truly making an impact because I think that that's really what makes the best therapists because when you're doing it genuinely to make a difference in other people's lives and support people, it like really shows through the like energy and devotion that you put into creating and forming your own 
methods and styles. And I'm sure that that shows through the work that you do with your clients every day. Um, So thank you so much for the introduction into kind of how you fell into this and what your purpose behind starting your own practice made for this counseling has been. And we're kind of going to dive right in and I wanted to take a moment to introduce the topic that we're going to be covering today. It's really relevant and extremely personal to Heba and I and to, I think, everybody that's listening today. Um, We're really fortunate that we're able to speak with you, Sydney, um, as a professional. And we're going to be covering some topics around coping, including emotional regulation and taking care of ourselves and processing emotions, which are really important in our day-to-day lives to continue, you know, living a peaceful and happy life. While there's a lot going on in the external world, we need to make sure that our internal state is taken care of because sometimes it's really easy to, you know, get into a state of hopelessness and so forth. So I just wanted to share with our listeners that, you know, it is a pretty vulnerable moment for Heba and I because there's the war in Gaza and there's the war in Ukraine and Heba's family has been increasingly affected by the war in Gaza and everything that's going on there. And so um, this is a really, really deeply personal topic for both of us. And we're so happy that we can reach an audience and offer them tools and insights from a passionate and knowledgeable professional like you, Sydney. So we're going to dive right in and Heba's going to go ahead and introduce just the first topic we're going to cover today, which will be emotional regulation. Exactly. And like Kat mentioned, you know, I think this topic is something that a lot of people can relate to no matter where they are in their lives. And Um, When we think about coping, it has to do a lot with those big emotions, especially those negative ones, which are really difficult to regulate. So in the realm of emotional regulation, how can we really balance those feelings that we're feeling, but we're not letting it get the best of us and not letting it take over us? Like, What are your thoughts and suggestions around that, Sydney? And how can we make sure that we're staying calm and sensible in, in times like this, where there's a lot of emotions um, at stake. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think this is a really difficult time. I feel like the past couple years, we've just been navigating all these new experiences that we've never navigated before, especially for maybe our generation. I think, you know, the definition of emotional regulation is the ability to exert control over one's emotional state, specifically with really intense emotions um, and being able to effectively manage and respond to an emotional experience. And I really think this is so individualized. Um, and I think I'll probably repeat that throughout majority of our conversation today. But I think we really have to look inward and, you know, understand ourselves in these moments of high emotion. You know, where is this emotional response coming from? Having that awareness and understanding of where it's coming from can help us to de-escalate our high emotions because we understand where it's coming and why it's there. The other thing, too, is that 
I don't think, you know, having high emotions is always necessarily a bad thing. I think it's what we do with them, right? Like, I think, you know, I talk a lot with clients about anxiety and that, you know, we need some level of anxiety and, you know, we need some level of worry about things in our day-to-day life. It's a sign that, you know, we care and it helps us function in our world. But when we have too much of it, it impacts our functioning. And so with heightened emotions, you know, it is kind of similar in the fact that it means we care. It means that things are affecting us, maybe not always in a positive way, but I think it's really how we respond and interact. So, I mean, I can go into maybe how to de-escalate those emotions, but I think it's really looking inward um, and understanding really why they're there in the first place. And I love how you mentioned how we are facing a time where we are dealing with something that we don't really know how to comprehend or where to start. And I think just acknowledging that is really important. And I, and I love how you mentioned that it's very individualistic. So it just depends on knowing ourselves best and figuring out how to proceed based on knowing who we are and what we need right now. And so I think those are some really great takeaways. Um, let's, let's talk about like maybe a situation where maybe there's two people dealing with a very stressful situation, but they have maybe a little bit more of different techniques. Um, maybe one needs a little bit more time and someone's more avoidant. Um, how would you say the best, the best thing to do is in that situation and make room for both people without having any sort of judgment? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Everyone reacts differently to things. Um, but I really think when we're in a high intense emotional state, we can't have calm and sensible conversations. Uh, Research shows that it typically is best to take a pause and come back to conversations when we're more calm. I think when you take a step back, um, you're able to respond more appropriately or intently. You know, someone being avoidant, that may be their own like self-preservation. Um, that may be their own like boundary or way of knowing that, okay, I might not react in the best way right now. I need to just take a pause, come back to the conversation when I've processed and can intently respond. Um, but I think it's it's easy for us to maybe assume or perceive people wanting to take a pause or being avoidant in a negative way. But I think... As, if we're effectively communicating that to the other person, hopefully it can be received well. Definitely. Um, and when we think about de-escalation, how, how would you say is the best way to kind of deal with that? How can we de-escalate those emotions before they get really big and feel like they're kind of out of our hands? And I even saw on your Instagram page, how to deal with different panic attacks, for instance. And I really like that just because I think there's different styles and different ways for us to trigger our brains to do something different. But what would you say is the best thing to do to ensure that we're de-escalating um, those emotions? Yeah. Yeah. For panic attacks, I mean, and anxiety, there's some really great 
coping strategies to de-escalate those emotions. And I think we can use those same coping strategies with any, you know, high emotional state, really. Really, breathing techniques is a great place to start. Um, It actually helps slow our heart rate down. So it gets our bodies even into a more relaxed state. Another huge one that I offer clients is ice cubes or an ice pack, you know, putting that on your chest, you know, with the physical aspects of high emotions. Sometimes maybe we're sweating or we're just feeling like we can't, um, we're like restless. And so putting an ice pack on our chest, doing some deep breathing, or even holding ice cubes in in your hand and like really noticing the sensation, right? Like our mind is now fully focused on how freezing cold it is in our hands. You know, it kind of takes our, kind of shocks the system almost. It gets us back to the present moment. So maybe we can um, start actually processing where that emotional response came from. Those are really interesting and unique. Uh, I've never thought about the ice cubes and like that idea for kind of coping with large emotions. And it really makes sense because bringing it back to presence is and like grounding yourself in times where, you know, if I think a lot of like the heightened emotions sometimes can come from kind of like you mentioned staying in the argument or staying, you know, staying really close to, let's say, like, events and reading a lot about all of the and like processing a lot of images and videos, or if for different situations, it could be staying in a in an environment that feels like very anxiety inducing. So coming out of that, um, and then also, maybe just practicing techniques where breathing or the ice cubes where it just brings you back into your body and into the present moment and not so like enveloped by the external environment. That is such a a great technique to offer and tools that we can use. Yeah, actually, like, I think what you said about, um, just like what we read and we take in in our day-to-day. I think too, like, and maybe we'll get to this later in the conversation, but the impact of secondary trauma is so huge. And when, I think it's really important when we know maybe too much is too much for us and setting those boundaries of really what we are like engaging with, what we're reading, watching, um, especially during this time, like there is a lot of things on the internet right now. And so really being able to take it in when you can and knowing when watching that or reading that um, is too much. Yeah. And I'm just really curious uh, for your thoughts on, let's say, you know, sometimes there's this sense of guilt or shame if like you're not keeping up with the latest mm-hmm. news or if you know you need to take a break because you feel like then you're not being a voice so you're not being educated and not 
being part of the solution. So how would you say like we can cope with that sense of shame and guilt around that? Right. Right. Um, well, I would first ask, where is that guilt coming from? Right. Like are other people rightfully so other people could be saying those things to you, but also is that kind of putting your own pressure on yourself because we want to help. We want to like stay informed for sure. Absolutely. Um, but having some self-compassion for yourself that it's okay to take a break from it and that you will get more out of it. Maybe even when you're in a state to be able to take in that information or to keep up with it. Um, but yeah, showing yourself self-compassion that it's okay to take a pause from that content. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think like when you mentioned earlier about how, you know, this is the first time and for our generation that we might be experiencing these really difficult years with COVID and then just so a lot of the stuff happening in the world right now. And um, it also reminds me that we live in this age of technology and we have so much access to information that is really, I think, difficult for our brains to compute sometimes. Like Heba and I talk about like, you know, this digital world that we live in and the influx of information and the influx of like people constantly wanting your attention. And it's a really good reminder to dig deeper into like, why is it that we feel like we can't step away for a minute? Why is it that we feel the need to, you know, answer right away? Like even when you were talking about the quote unquote, like act of being avoidant is like, or is that a negative thing? Or is that just... Mm -hmm preservation we did also want to talk about um like processing versus just experiencing especially you know when something like covid let's say it was such like a long-term and complicated you know event how can we balance like processing the event while it's occurring rather just as experiencing it and then like once it's all over like starting to unpack what what just happened. Mhm. I think it is really difficult to do both. Um because especially with COVID like that was something we were experiencing for the first time like no one kind of really knew what was going on really um and it was like a new thing every day. And I think Going back to maybe what's behind the content. So obviously we have like the big topic of COVID, but, you know, in couples therapy, we talk a lot about content first processing because we could talk about COVID and vaccines and this and that a million times, but sometimes it's not really just about that. Like what is underneath that, you know, when we're, what is coming up for you when we, when you talk about COVID or what are the, you know, feelings 
that you can label that are coming up to you. And maybe it's not just like scared or sad. Maybe it's like disappointment or shame or, you know, any more of like the big, bigger feelings. Um, So I think, again, getting in tune with yourself and like what, what is underneath maybe the content. And I like that because I think, you know, you're asking the right questions by digging deeper. Like, you know, where is this stemming from and where does this come from? And, um, and I think those are really important things to take away for us at home because the better that we know ourselves and we, the better that we understand what, what strategies work for us when it comes back to coping, um, I think we'll be able to show up better for ourselves or show up better for our partners. And um, I think that leads me into the question around coping during our daily life. And um, I know that we have a lot of different um, habits or routines to, to think about our emotional well-being, but can you maybe talk to us a little bit more about nature therapy and what healing aspects of nature what, what can that do for us and how can that support us during some difficult times? Yeah, absolutely. Nature therapy was actually introduced to me only about like a year ago. You know, other words for it too can be like walk and talk therapy, but it's really getting outside of the office um, and using nature as like its natural grounding. Um, And so kind of like before when we were talking about using grounding techniques or breathing and things like that, we can utilize nature in the same way. Um, And so we can also utilize nature with metaphors. And, you know, what are you noticing about maybe this tree over there? Like, how does the wind feel? Um, and so I think for people like processing really difficult things, nature is a calming additive to the therapy and it it takes us out of the office and get some fresh air, you know? I completely agree with you. Kat and I actually recently went on a trip to Yosemite and, um, it was in the midst of just the last couple of months, which have just been personally really difficult on me with everything going on with my family. And, um, it was a really dark time and, um, we went off to Yosemite and we had a really good weekend where we were almost forced to disconnect and not have Wi-Fi and stare at the trees and go on very, very, very long walks and hikes. So um, I do agree that nature can bring us back to ourselves, especially during really difficult times. And I think it does help us with coping. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, you know, it's a resource for us to to utilize more often. I know right now, obviously, like, like going, especially during COVID, even going on walks was huge. Um, and I think when we add the natural resource and therapy together, like it can really make a big impact. Yeah, I think so too. I, it's, it, I remember this trip with Heba and it was so funny because we felt so drawn to like 
the trees. And I think we can pull a lot of like metaphors from nature and how there's so much power in the silence and stillness and wisdom of like trees and just all of that. It's, it's really grounding. And um, I think it's really cool that that's incorporated into um, therapy. I, I definitely can see the benefits of it. And I always, it's so funny because I work from home and um, I usually don't step outside until I force myself to go on a walk after I finish my work day and just that breath of fresh air. Like I always call them my mental health walks. And it's so funny how we have to like remember to incorporate that into our days because sometimes I find myself like constantly just being like on the go, like being at home, working, being in front of the computer screen, and then, you know, running errands or going to the gym. And it just seems like I'm bouncing from like one indoor to the other indoor to being in the car. And then I I wind down and like watch some TV and go to sleep. And sometimes I forget that I haven't actually spent time outdoors in a day or two and how grounding that can actually be. So it's such a good reminder that at the end of the day, like we are humans on this world and we need air to survive. So connecting with that part of us is so important to be amongst like the natural resources that keep us alive. Um, But um, we did also, you know, want to talk about just social support. Um, You've mentioned a lot of different techniques that can help us support ourselves. And we did also want to talk about the importance of not just relying on ourselves and but also relying on others. So what do you think, like how important is social support and coping with difficult emotions? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really important. Um, I think when we feel like we have a sense of connection, especially during an unknown time, um, it can feel like we're not so alone and so isolated. And I think, I think that's what we all try to do, like in this time where we're trying to support one another through things. I think, you know, one of the huge things I'm passionate about is group therapy, um, because it's a place where we can talk and share each other's perspective or insights or things we're struggling with and feel connected to people who are going through similar things. Um, And I think that's a little bit different than maybe going to a friend or a family member or other people um, just because it is a facilitated conversation where, you know, sometimes we can reach out to people and we don't get what we need. And we're, you know, handling our emotions is our own responsibility. And people can help us feel supported. But ultimately, once we leave that, we're left with maybe those lingering feelings still. And I think, you know, maybe you have a family member that you try to talk to about things. And it just, it just doesn't hit the same as maybe 
someone else. And so I think really knowing who you can talk to about those things, who is a person that you can lean on and who is going to help make you feel better, but also maybe even going a step further and joining a group with people who are similarly going through the same thing. I really love that. I love that you're passionate about group therapy because I've definitely been involved in group therapy before and I've seen the benefits of it and it's it is really powerful to hear others share experiences and it's nice to be reminded that we are not alone in the things that we are going through and like you said even distancing that and taking a couple degrees like of separation away from our immediate circle of friends and family and realizing that like these strangers that we also don't know like are experiencing these things that makes it makes it feel like more of a reach um which i love and um i don't know if you're familiar with um yalom like the psychotherapist he's he was one of the pioneers in like grief group therapy and i i have like read some of his books and it's so fascinating because he also talks about the power of just like people you might even start kind of rolling your eyes and being like, well, what is this going to do to me that I just listen and sit to people talk about like what they're going through? How is this going to help me that, you know, they're grieving and I'm grieving. Like, what is that going to help? Like, what do you think is the benefit of like sitting in a circle with people who are kind of going through the same thing? Like what makes group therapy so effective? Yeah. Yeah. I, I love Yalom. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I actually remember a textbook from him about group therapy. Um, And yeah, I think that's a lot of people's reactions where it's like, how could this make me feel better? I feel like this would make me feel worse. But um, I really think we can learn so much from each other. And so hearing different people's maybe even perspectives or ways of coping. is insightful um it's not just i guess coming from one person it's a collective group of people processing the same thing and i think there's something really powerful in that just feeling the immense support that you're not alone and and going through it um and gaining other people's perspective yeah i think that's really powerful too um I've definitely seen the benefit of it myself. And I think we can always learn something from others, no matter how quote unquote insignificant it might seem. So um, it's definitely, it's definitely something really special. Um, So speaking of, you know, seeking professional help, um, when do you think it is, advisable for someone to seek professional help for emotional struggles. I know you mentioned like sometimes relying on people close to you, like you might not be getting what you actually need. Like, do you think that that maybe is a sign? Like if you're feeling frustrated, like 
well, my friend's not supporting me or my mom or my, or my uncle's not supporting me the way that I wanted them to. Like, what do you think is a sign of like, you might want to talk to a professional? Yeah, I think, I think those are all, all signs. Um, I also think, um, it's a resource that is available to people at any time. Um, I think it can be used, you know, to make sure things continue to go well and for someone struggling and feeling like they're in their darkest moments. A lot of people may not have people to turn to. And so if you're feeling like you don't have someone to turn to, I definitely advise seeking, you know, support from a therapist um, just to be able to talk. I think, you know, that's why it's called talk therapy. It's because being able to vocalize these things out loud and have someone sit across from you and support you and validate you and encourage you, I think is huge. But, you know, I think therapy can used be used in um, so many different ways. It can be to continue growing to get to know yourself better can be you know used when you're struggling with anxiety or something more specific um but it can also just be an act of like self-care where you're going in and being able to talk with someone like every other week just about life and to keep and to feel supported um, and encouraged. And it's so funny because I think, Sydney, I love all those different points you brought up. Um, I think there's a lot of stigmas that still exist in our world today. I will say, I think that it's moved a lot. It's moved forward and it's, we've moved a lot past that. And I think our generation is really open to therapy and coaching and self help and self-love. I think that's the way that we really look at it. And so I think for anyone out there that is considering therapy for any of those reasons that Sydney brought up, I think it's absolutely healthy and it's something to continue. And there is nothing wrong with you if you are seeking therapy or seeking support, because at the end of the day, it's about bettering ourselves and Again, like our podcast is called Lost and Found because in certain moments we feel a little bit lost and we feel like we find ourselves in the midst of life. But it's a good reminder that continuing to work on ourselves and really going into ourselves and figuring out what we need and how we can grow the love that we have inside of us, I I think that's the ultimate goal. And I think. Um, just having this open conversation with you today, Sydney, just really validated that. And it's opened my eyes a lot. And I've learned so much from our time today that I can't wait to take forward with me. Yeah. And just to close it out, Sydney, if there's anything else that you'd like to mention before I can tell our listeners where they can find you, that would be great. Yeah. Um, Quickly, just going back to what you had said, I want people's opinion about therapy or maybe those negative stereotypes I want you to just throw it out the window like I want people to just give it a try um I think and I want people to you know to be reminded that it can be collaborative 
And when it feels uncomfortable, that's probably meaning that you're doing some good work. And it's, I think, you know, growth comes from when we confront those uncomfortable things and moments head on. So, you know, don't be afraid to speak up to your therapist too if things aren't working and trust that your therapist will work with you. So I just want people to know that they can, you know, give it a try and find someone that works with you because why not give it a try, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I love your words of encouragement. And um, I mean, I have personally been in therapy for over three years now. And it's, there's moments where I think, you know, maybe I don't need to be in therapy anymore. It's been a while. I feel really good. But every single week, something always comes up. Even when it's a week where like, it's not, we're not like going over anything in particular. It's such a great way for me to stay aware and present and process the things that are going on in my life and take time to even reflect because sometimes, you know, we go through life and we don't necessarily take a step back to reflect. And I think there's so many ways that that can be done, but therapy is just such a great tool. And clearly, you know, speaking with you as a professional today, we learned so many new things. And I think you did such a great job at like making me think of the ways that I can reframe some of these negative emotions and even like I feel like sometimes catastrophizing things like I feel like you have such a such an approach that is able to ground and like kind of kind of like okay like let's take a step back let's think about like why this is making you feel this way like what can do you need to take a step back? Do you need some time to, you know, practice presence and to, you know, maybe take some time away from like you were talking about all of the constant news and et cetera, because that is actually leading to like secondary trauma, like all of these things it's easy to lose track of when we're in a state of worry and anxiety and when we feel really overwhelmed. So this has been just such an eye-opening and beautiful conversation. And we are so grateful um, that you took the time to sit with us today. And we can't wait to have our listeners give us feedback on this episode. And we're just truly so grateful. And I wanted to go ahead and share that your Instagram is made for this counseling, which is where Um, you can be found. And we're so excited because we hear you're going through a little rebranding and we can't wait to see what you have in store for us. And we're so excited to continue following your journey as you grow your counseling business. And we're just really, really grateful for your time today. Well, thank you both so much. This has been such um, an awesome conversation. And I think it's, you know, I think a lot of people hopefully will get something out of it and feel that, you know, we're all kind of in this together and that um, hopefully this is something that people can take away 